Well done, Greg. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Helen. Thank you. Have you ever, by the way, I'm often called upon to do funerals of people that I do not know. And so the funeral home will give me names and phone numbers of the next of kin to call. And so I become a detective of sorts if I've never met them because what are you going to say in front of friends and family when the time comes? I ask a lot of questions about where they were born, what did they do, what about their family. But obviously the most important question that I would ask is about what about their faith? What was their faith connection? Did they believe were they a follower of Christ? Over the past few years, I've heard this phrase repeatedly, and I laugh now when I hear it. The family says that the dearly departed, or somebody tells me when I'm asking them about their faith, they will tell me this. They say, I am spiritual, but not religious. Heard that before? Spiritual, but not religious. We have a thing on the screen for that, but it doesn't seem to be working right That's okay. Today I want to tell you how we interpret that phrase. Before we do that, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for each one in this room. But as we gather and churches gather all over our country, there are so many others that should be and are not there. We pray for revival in our church, in our country, in our land, in our world. We pray that there would be a revival of people that would come to love and know you and serve you the way they ought to. And we ask that you would help us to minister to this world that's very often spiritual but not religious. In the name of Jesus we make our prayer. Amen. So I've had time to process this phrase, spiritual but not religious. And reading between the lines, I want to show you what one of my interpretations is of that phrase. I think it's another way we could say it, we could say it this way. I'm disobedient yet hopeful. <laughs> I'm disobedient yet hopeful. Spiritual but not religious is a language of hope and an admission of guilt at the same time. Spiritual sounds good. That sounds nice. Isn't that lovely? I want people to be spiritual. But the problem comes when they say, but I'm not religious. Why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem because the God of the Bible has certain expectations of his people. Here are a couple of them. The, the spiritual but not religious folks don't take part in. Number one is us gathering together. We are told to gather together. By being here today, you are being obedient to what God told you to do. Hebrews 10, 25 says this, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing. In Acts chapter 2, we get a picture of the early church and beginning at verse 42, it talks about them being together. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship 
and is sharing at meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Spiritual but not religious people don't see much need of that. Hence their disobedience. If an able person is not part of a church, it's likely they're being disobedient. In another matter, it is obvious every week we give our tithes and offerings to God. But the spiritual and religious people, they don't do that. Malachi 3, 8 to 10 says this. Should people cheat God? Should people rob God? Yet you have cheated me, God tells the nation of Israel. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? When did we ever steal from you? God says, you've cheated me of tithes and offerings due me. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven, of heaven's armies, I'll open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, put me to the all the people that said they were spiritual but not religious would become obedient, our churches would be overflowing. And if they were obedient in giving, we would have more than we would know what to do with. I've heard from time to time that people that say they're spiritual but not religious, they, they say they have no use for organized religion. And so they choose disorganized religion, I suppose, as the alternative. I understand that people get hurt, and I'm sorry for experiences that people have had in churches, but the alternative to the spiritual but not religious group is no religion at all. And that is sad. Organized religion has been a problem, and it has its problems. I'll be the first to admit it. Yet organized religion in my lifetime and in your lifetime has done some amazing things. How many of you were born in a Baptist or a Catholic hospital? How many of you have had surgery or gone to the doctor at a Baptist or a Catholic hospital? I'm leaving out my Methodist and Presbyterian friends. I shouldn't do that as well. There's the religion, organized religion has built so many wonderful hospitals and orphanages and schools. And they've sent missionaries around the globe. And without a collective, without an organization, none of those things would have happened. I told you to pray for Lindsay Cummer a little while ago. Grew up in Indiana, about to go to school at Purdue. She's going to be in Zimbabwe for the next two months. When we took her to the airport to meet a van to get in with 20 other kids, I watched 21 college students get in a van to go for some training for a few days before they went all over the world. And I was proud of organized religion. Thank you very much when I saw that happen. When we give, they're going with the International Mission Board. When we give, we help things like that happen. And I was so proud. But I think there's something else going on with the spiritual but not religious. There's a desire that I, I want to do what I want to do. 
I don't want somebody telling me, I don't want somebody telling me what to do. Because if they have religion, they're submitting themselves to somebody else's will. And that's not popular. But if I'm merely spiritual, there are no demands upon me other than the ones that I give to myself. That's what people prefer. People might say, well, I find God the most in nature. So I'd rather go to the woods on Sunday than go to church on Sunday morning. If I do that, I'm merely exerting my own preference. If I want to go to the woods, I go to the woods. There's no thought whatsoever there about what is it that God would want me to do. And if they asked that question, they would be here with you or be in another church with a group of believers right now. In their case, their God has become them. And they become the one who decides what is it that I should do rather than asking God, what do you want me to do? So spiritual but not religious is just another form of idolatry. In this case, the false God is themselves. God then becomes for them really not someone but a, a vague idea, an impersonal force that makes no demands and simply is there. We're warned. Proverbs 16, 25 says this. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And I'm sad for those people that have made themselves God. There's an Old Testament story that I think sheds light on the spiritual but not religious. It's just six verses in Judges chapter 17, but we see a lot happening in Judges 17, 1 to 6. There was a man from the mountains of Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said to his mother, the 1,100 shekels of silver that were taken from you and of which you put a curse, even saying it in my ears, here's the silver with me, I took it. And his mother said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my son. So when he returned the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I've wholly dedicated the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a carved image and a molded image. Now therefore, I'll return it to you. Thus he returned the silver to his mother. Then his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the silversmith, and he made it into a carved image and a molded image, and they were in the house of Micah. The man Micah had a shrine and made an ephod and household idols, and he consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. Sound weird yet? We're going to talk about this. What's happened here? Verse 6 explains a lot. In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their eyes. Although I do not watch the show, I think Jerry Springer would love this family. I think they would make a week's worth of episodes. This family is very spiritual, but not religious at all. So Micah steals, he's a thief, he steals 1,100 shekels of silver, which is a fortune from his own mother. And his spiritual, but not religious mother, put out a curse on whoever took the money. So Micah, after hearing that mother put out a bad vibe and a curse on the money, returned it that he had stolen from her. And now his cursing spiritual, but not religious mother 
instead of cursing him, blesses him for returning. You with me so far? So to celebrate this dysfunction, she takes 200 shekels and has idols made. You don't have to be in church very long to know that's a no-no. You shouldn't be doing that. God's pretty specific. Don't make graven images. And so mom is making images. One likely carved and coated with silver and one likely cast with silver. So he has a couple. So Micah now has his own church. And he makes one of his own sons, the grandson of the cursing, blessing grandmother, into the pastor of the church, which was going to be very spiritual, but not religious at all. That's even wrong in itself, because only Levites were supposed to be priests, and his son was not likely a Levite. This is quite the house of worship, isn't it? What would you name a church like this? A spiritual but not religious church? How about Nut House Ministries? I thought about that. It, it, it's just perplexing. But it's believable, isn't it? Because we live in this world of spiritual but not religious people that can justify, well, anything. Because they're not trying to meet God's expectations. But verse 6 explains a lot. In those days there were no king in Israel. And everyone did was right, what was right in his own eyes. It still happens today. People doing what's right in their own eyes, giving no regard for what God has asked or has commanded. What happens as people wander away from the truth of Scripture is they pick and choose some things that they like. Well, heaven is great. We're all for that. Every spiritual but not religious person I've ever met said they're loved ones in heaven. But they don't like hell. They love the grace, but the commitment and sacrifice, not so much. Forgiveness, absolutely for them they want it, but not for others. No. What if, you know. So when this happens, and it does, there are no absolutes. None whatsoever. So they do what they want. I want you to help me out with an illustration. But to do it, you've got to stand up. At the count of three, I want you to immediately do what I ask you to do. At the count of three, I want you to do what I ask, okay? One, two, three. Point to the north. Are we all pointing the same way do you think? We're not pointed the same way. You may sit down now. You may sit down. I saw some wise people do that. I, I saw arms in every direction. I don't know if I even got it right. I don't know. I should. Jeff can has a who has a compass on their phone that can tell us? Thomas has a compass, and it's pretty much that way. I was off. Anybody besides me off? Yeah, yeah you were. Yes, you were. So what should we do with north now? If there are no absolutes, should we just define it as we please? If that's the case, good luck getting to North Georgia. Should we just do as the pastor says? Well, I, I think I missed it by a good bit. Fortunately for us, north is fixed. 
We don't debate it. We don't vote against it. We accept it and follow its rules. But what we see in our world today is, in our spiritual but not religious world, to them there's no absolute truth and there's no absolute right or wrong and they decide what is good and right and it's fitting. No thank you. Proverbs 3, 5 says this for us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. Just trust. The spiritual but not religious group, they trust in themselves. No thank you. I know David. He's flawed. I don't want to trust in me. I'd rather trust in God. Proverbs 28, 26 tells us, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. So walk wisely.